Well, good morning. It's good to be back with you this morning. And we're in the middle of a, a series. We're going to take uh, some time, about four weeks, to go through the first part of the book of Proverbs. And so I'm hoping that you have uh, taken that out, that you've uh, been reading in the book of Proverbs, reading hopefully the first uh, chapters, one through nine, is really what we're going to focus on and, and uh, maintain, where it really talks about wisdom and, and the role of wisdom, the importance of wisdom, how do we hear wisdom. And so that's what we're pressing into, this idea of living a life, walking in wisdom on pathways. And what are pathways? Pathways are actually just a series of decisions that you make. And so that's what we're discovering last week. We talked about um, how some people's approach to wisdom, there's, there's the mockers out there in the world. There are people who are just going to mock wisdom. And whenever they hear something of, uh, from God or God's word, they kind of ridicule and mock that. That's, that's one approach. And there's other people who are just, they, in Proverbs talks about, they're simple-minded or, or simpletons, we would call them. In other words, they just go about life hoping for the best and hoping it all works out and really not in tune with you know, is there a path I'm on at all? Or am I just kind of skipping along, having a good old time? And the simple-minded often get themselves into a lot of trouble. And then there's the fools. And the fools really, they, they've heard wisdom or they know truth. Or maybe they grew up hearing some things about it. Or, or they, they know inside, if they reflected long enough, they, they know what the right thing to do is. Um, but they just think, you know what? I'm going to do this one-time thing. It's not going to hurt anybody. No one's going to find out. Nothing bad can happen. I'm just hoping for the best. And Book of Proverbs calls these people fools who basically hear wisdom, continue on down the path anyways, and they end up in all kinds of disastrous situations. So that's what we kind of started off talking about. And where I really was, uh, kind of where I came this series of finding it important for us to do is really in the book of Ephesians says, and you need to be careful how you live. Be careful how you live. Live like wise people, right? People that are making the most of every opportunity you have, opportunities of this life, opportunity of this season of life, whatever season you're in, are you making the most of it? Because the days around you, the days you're experiencing or the culture around you is actually an evil culture. And if you don't, you're not intentional of making the best opportunity of what you have, well, it's going to cause you all kinds of problems. So don't be foolish. Don't be foolish. In other words, don't ignore wisdom. Don't ignore what you know is true. But understand. Understand what the Lord's will is and then walk in that way. Walk in that pathway. And so we're really trying to understand then, how do you understand God's will? How do you walk in that way? What does that look like? What does it sound like? So today we're going to explore that a little bit more of understanding if you're supposed to listen to wisdom, how do, you, how do you kind of walk in that pathway? So looking at how do you live like a foolproof life? I mean, we don't want to be a fool. No one actually wants to be called a fool. Um, so what does it look like? How do, we, how do we do that? Last week, I want to remind you, though, there's two questions that we need to keep in mind. The first question that gets us into trouble all the time is asking the wrong one, which is this. Is there anything wrong with that? So as you're doing life, you're walking down the journey of life, often we're looking at simply, is this right or wrong? Right or wrong? Right or wrong? Is this the right thing or the wrong thing? If there's nothing wrong with it, technically, then is it a good idea? And often people go, yeah, like it." There's nothing wrong with it, so I guess I can do it. And they get so far down 
these paths that end up where they didn't ever want to be. They didn't want to be there financially. They didn't want to be there relationally. They didn't want to be there, you know, uh, when it came to regret and what their family's perspective of them are. And yet they were like, I just, I just did what I thought was right. Ever heard someone say that? I just, I worked hard. I, you know, I, I did what I thought was the right thing to do, but I didn't realize where it was going to take me. And so we don't want to live that way. We don't want to ask just the wrong question if it's right or wrong. We want to learn to ask the question of, is it wise? Is it wise? I mean, and you can apply this in a zillion ways. I'm going to try to give you some examples of it. I mean, is it wrong to eat a donut? No, probably not. For some of you, you're like, yes, yes, right away. And it's like, is it wrong to eat 10 donuts? You know, it's like, no, it's still not wrong. I can, like, is it wise to eat 10 donuts? You know, so it's a totally different question. And the fool doesn't ask the wise question, just ask if it's right or wrong. But you can get into a lot of trouble in life by doing non-wrong things in a certain way, but get in total destination that you never intended to get to. Is it wrong for you to work, 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 evenings, weekends, neglect your family? Is it wrong? You can justify it. There's a lot of people around you. If you went to and you said, hey, I'm just trying to provide my family, is that wrong? They'd be like, no, that's not wrong. You're doing great. So there's a lot of people on the pathways of foolishness who actually will encourage you. And they'll say, no, that's, that's not a bad thing. Keep going. You're okay. You're okay. But it's not going to get you where you want to go by asking the wrong questions. And so that's really where we started. So the question then, if we're going to try to live on the right path, the path of wisdom, is that we have to learn. I've talked a lot about faith here. I want to talk about wisdom in the same way. This idea of wisdom, of God's wisdom, isn't so that God will fix my life or make my life work. That's actually not how faith works, and that's not how wisdom works. When we're seeking the voice of God or we're trusting Him in an area, it's not trying to get God to align with my life and what I want for outcomes. Wisdom is saying God actually knows what the best outcomes of my life would be what the path is, and I want to align my life with his wisdom. Not I want to use God's wisdom to make my life work. Is faith that way, right? I want to use faith to get God to do things that I want him to do. Or is faith the journey of trusting God on the path that he's trying to take you on? Completely Two different things. Is it your destination or is it God's destination you're seeking? So when we come to wisdom, it's the same thing. And that's why you'll see over and over again in the book of Proverbs talking about the fear of God is the beginning of the path of wisdom. And others recognizing that God is God and you are not is how you start walking in wisdom. That I want to live for God. That I understand God sees my life, that he created my life for a purpose, for meaning, for direction, and I'm going to submit fears, reverence, worship, submission to him. And that submission is actually the very beginning of the path of a wise life. And so the verse that we really want to pull out and play with is uh, in, ver- in chapter 3 that we're looking at today. Chapter 3 and 4. And vaguely, we're not going to read as much as we did last week. But chapter 3, verses 5 to 6, it's a very, very famous verse. 
So I want you to take it, and I want it to become meaningful for us. So if you have something, you know, have it on your wall somewhere, that's great. But I want us to walk through it. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart, and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will or his path for your life in all you do. And then, if you seek that, he'll show you. He'll show you which path to take. So there's a lot of progression there you have to understand. First of all, are you going to, you know, chase after God with all your heart? Are you going to trust him with all your heart? That's a question you have to ask before you start the journey. You're going to trust him with your heart. And then that means if you're trusting him, you're not trusting who? (laughs) Yourself. Okay? So you're going to trust him. You're not going to trust yourself. And you're going to seek what? Not your life objective that you want, not what you're hoping for in life, but you're going to seek his will for your life in all you do. And then, and then after all of that, he'll show you how to walk and where to walk. Really important. So we'll break it down just a little bit for a couple minutes. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. I thought about that. And I thought, well, that's such a, you know, it's, for me, it's such a familiar verse, such a familiar phrase. And I felt like God said to me, like, but is that easy for you? <laughs> it's easy to say. That's not very easy for me to do. And I thought, oh, so I got to tell everybody, you know, I got to tell everyone tomorrow to just do this. And he's like, but that's not easy. That's not natural for them. I thought, well, then we have a problem. Like, what else do I say about it? So I had to stop and go, okay, if this isn't easy, then what is it? And it's, it's a relationship. So if you're going to trust somebody, you don't do it all at once. We, we want to think we can, and sometimes you do, but it's like you trust them a little bit, right? And because God is a faithful God, and his character is consistent, and his promises come true, and his word never changes, then as you trust him a little bit, you'll learn that he's trustworthy, and you'll be able to continue to trust. And so the goal is that I will trust him with all my heart. But where the, the book of Proverbs is leading is like, you have to understand that that's your desire to trust him with what part of you. And that, then it stopped, and I thought, what part of me? Just trust, but trust with what? My heart. What is your heart? My desires. Well, that changed that for me, was my desires are more than just trust me. That means he's given me desires in this life. Will I trust him with those desires? So I started thinking, well, the, the Buddhists, I mean, they, they come across this and they're like, look, and this is, I, I kind of, I did look it up, but this idea that the Buddhist teaching is like this. And they would say wisdom, and they have a lot of good, good advice, a lot of good wisdom literature as well, but they would say your desires by observation, lead people to immense amount of suffering. Desires make people suffer because of their cravings and attachments and illusions. They become destructive impulses in the life of a person. And so their, their reaction then is what you have to do is deny or suppress desire. Like don't desire anything. The ultimate goal then is to be very numb <laughs> towards your desires. But that's not what that's not what Scripture's telling us to do, saying, trust God with your desires. That's different than saying, I don't want them, or I'm trying to get rid of them, or they shouldn't exist. 
So no, God has a desire for you. You can trust him in it. The question for me then is, what do I really want? What do I really want? And I believe, well, as we get through the day, that when you really understand what you really want, there's nothing wrong with those desires. They're God-given desires that you can trust him with. By trusting him with them means he will lead you to the fulfillment of your desires. God is not going to lead you to the place that you don't want to ultimately go. That's the enemy speaking. I had to wrestle with that when I was a kid. I remember I was convinced, I was convinced that if I gave my life full trusted God with my heart, he would take me where I didn't want to go. Right? How many of you thought, like, he'll take me to Africa in some place where there's no anything? And so the same thing happened with ministry for me when I got called to ministry was that was a hard decision to say, God, you, I don't think that's where I want to go. He said, well, you trust me with your desires that if I lead you, you will actually experience the fulfillment of who you're designed to be. You want to be what? Successful, you know? You want to be proud of what you do. You want to like feel like you've accomplished things. Those are all good things in line with God. But when it's yourself, then the Buddhist is right. If yourself is the motivator of your desires, then you can destroy all kinds of things and people around you. The end of that pathway of following desire alone is destruction. So trusting God with your desires is a really big part of this that I believe what I really want God wants for me too the problem is the enemy's out there and this is what you learn in the book of Proverbs is you're not in a neutral environment here <laughs> it's not like there's just you and then the wisdom God's voice speaking there's actually an enemy enticing you to foolishness enticing you to destruction and so you're constantly, everything in our society, I mean, I was going to go through it on my phone, like, so I come and I get, you know, 30-some junk emails, right? And I was going through and I delete them every day. It's like, oh, I should unsubscribe, but that's too much work. So every day I delete them all anyways. And actually, I slowed down today. I thought, I should just bring these out and read them. But then you'd know stuff that I follow. But I mean, like, the number one sentence almost on every one of these junk emails was all about, you know, it's something you need, something you want, something's going to expire, it's 10% off today only, you have 24 hours, and it's just screaming at me like, you want this, you want it now, you need it, you can't miss out, don't miss out, great opportunities. So the world is screaming at you and tapping into similar desires, but has no intention of those desires leading you to the path that God wants you to. It only leads you to self-indulgence. So we're not in a neutral environment at all. So the next part is then lean not on your own understanding. And uh, scripture is very clear in Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah. He said this as well. as one of the things that God spoke to him about to tell his people was, your thoughts are not, right? My thoughts are not your thoughts. They're, we're not on the same page in life. Like, it doesn't work. Like, what you think about is not necessarily what I think about. Your ways are not my ways. And so if I'm going to lean on my own understanding, I am going to 
walk down paths that aren't necessarily the path that God would have me on. If I depend on my own perspective, my own understanding, I'm going to get to places that I don't want to go. Proverbs later on in Proverbs 14 says, there is a way, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end that way leads to death. It's like, ah, it's like you can't see it, but the way seems good. But like I said in the beginning, as what Proverbs is saying, every path has a destination. Paths just don't go nowhere, they go somewhere. And so he'll say, on a path it'll seem good to you, but the end of that path is destruction. It's death. So I don't know my heart is deceitful, it's wicked, as the scripture says, right? It deceives me. And so you hear people who are making you know, some of the dumbest decisions, and they're talking to you, and you're listening to them, and they're making really dumb decisions. They'll say things like, it just feels right, <laughs> you know. It just, I think it's a, you know, and they'll even blame God on it. It's like God's providing this for me, and you're like, ah, like, no, you're following your heart. And I know in the moment, it seems like it's a good thing, but it isn't necessarily a good thing. So we can't trust our heart, but we can trust his heart because he's pure, right? Our heart's deceptive. His heart is pure. His ways don't change. Our hearts change all the time, constantly. Every circumstance, every situation, we have a change of heart. We feel differently when we become aware of new information. I shouldn't say this, but I mean, how many of you, I hope, I, over COVID, you know, and over the season, and over the end, and after it all, change your perspective. I hope some people change perspective sometimes after you get more information. You're like, well, that changes everything. But in the moment, in your limited understanding, in often circumstances, you're very adamant about what you believe. And all of a sudden, information can change everything. Well, God knows all of that. He's above all of that. So I can't trust my understanding because it's so, so limited. That's not God. And he sees everything from an eternal perspective. He sees my complete path and the end. And so I can trust him because I know as a good father, he's trying to get me to the right end. So this is a really big deal. So in all your ways, submit to him. All of your ways, submit to him. So often in Christian circles, we, we kind of carve out different areas of our life as spiritual areas and not spiritual areas. But I want you to know that the most spiritual things that you do is make decisions. It's the most spiritual thing you do. It's, it's not necessarily reading your Bible, prayer. it's making decisions on this pathway of life. And so the areas, I was thinking, well, what are the primary areas of our life? Time, relationships, money, sexuality. I don't even know if I would normally put sexuality in there, but the whole world screams the most important thing about you is your sexuality. I don't think in God's eyes it is, but, but nevertheless, since we live in a culture that says it's the most important thing, because it's all they talk about, it's what every movie, every show, and every conversation's about, we'll put it in there. So in all of these ways, we submit to him. We submit, we surrender. We, in other words, we ask in those areas, what are the wise things that we need to do? What is the wise thing to do? Now, in most of these areas, we can get 
way down pathways that lead to destruction. That's just the way wisdom speaks. It's the way reality is. And you've seen people in all of this, right? They get to the end of their life and they've wasted. They feel like they've, they'll say things like, because time is your life. Time is life. That's what it is. Put them together and you hear people say, I feel like I've wasted my, they don't say time anymore. They say my life. Or they'll scream, where did my like teens go? Where did my 20s go? Where did my 30s go? Where did my 40s go? And they'll go on and on and on. And they're saying, my life is wasting away. I'm not getting where I thought I was going to go. And so they do that in relationships. Or like, I'm not in a relationship I thought I would be in. I'm not where I want to be in my relationships with other people, with my family, with my marriage. Money, people get to the end and they're near the end. And they're like, I'm not where I wanted to be in my finances. How did you get there? Well, one step at a time on a path you didn't know you were on. That's how you got there. Every story is the same. And you see people blow up their life, and it can be blowing up a marriage. It can be getting on different paths, different stories. They'll come to my office, and they're like, I don't know how I got here. The simple answer is the same way everyone gets there. One decision at a time. It accumulates. Foolish language that the world and the culture speaks at you around ignores accumulative language. A fool doesn't consider path. They only consider decisions that are individual. So it's like the donut. Today, you can eat a donut. Accumulatively, you'll probably be just fine. Now, you can have a donut every meal. It'll accumulate after time. After a long time, you'll feel the effects of it. And at first, if you did it, you'd be like, oh, that was no big deal the same thing as exercise or the lack of exercise individually moments it doesn't add up so if you ever like commit like on you know in January you commit to work out you buy a gym membership you go there you work out and you go home and you look in the mirror and you're like I don't know I don't think it does anything it's like well no it doesn't work that way pathways are, if you did that every day, it'd be hard to recognize it, but eventually you'll feel different, your body will be different, everything else. Wisdom is speaking about the path. So it's like relationships, it's like work, it's marriage, it's all these things. Each thing can be, a fool goes, it's by itself not wrong. I'm going to miss family dinner tonight. That's not wrong. No. But do that every night for 15 years, and at the end you're like, I don't understand, our family's not close, my kids don't respect me, I don't know what's going on, I don't know how it happened. Well, over time, it makes an impact. Same thing with your money. Today, yes, you can buy because it's on sale. Might never go on sale again. You ever tell yourself that? (gasps) What if it never goes on sale again? And you can do that. You can get away with it. But if every time you walk past a sales rack, you can't pass it by, a cumulative effect, where did my money go? I talked to one couple once and came into counseling. They're having financial issues. And one of the things that I learned to do is track all your expenses for like two months, every penny. And it came to the conclusion they were spending $300 a month on coffee. I don't want to add up how much I spend on coffee, but we'll just say this couple, that was dumb, but they, because they didn't have a lot of money. And it was like, well, we, we, we go to Starbucks once a day. And like, well, that's two of you. And then the husband confessed a little bit later, well, I actually go home on the way home too. So that's three cups of coffee a day at least. 
So they go, oh, well, let's add that up. Like, that, that's, that's a lot. Over the year, that's $3,600. They don't like to hear that. That's a cumulative effect. Got some financial advisors here. You know the math. You do that. You put $3,600 away every year for the first five years of your life, six years of your life. You have $1.3 million at the average interest rate. That's a cumulative effect of your coffee. Now, that's wisdom, but that doesn't mean we listen to it. Right? I try to tell my kids that. Do you realize you put $2,000 away in these years right now, you can, you'll be good in retirement. You don't have to do it for like six to eight years. That's all you have to do. Yeah, but like right now, <laughs> I want this. It's like, I know. Wisdom is there. I said this last week. The question is, will we live by it or be trained by it or choose it or not? And so the fool knows that there's wisdom there, but chooses to ignore it. And so in all your ways, this happens in your sexuality. A little bit here, a little bit of there with my eyes and my you know, thoughts and all those things. Does that, does that impact and does it change everything in my relationship right now? No. But there's a cumulative effect by that. You're going to lose intimacy with your spouse... Eventually, you're going to lose communication. Eventually, you're going to probably lose your marriage if you keep that up. But the enemy in the world wants you to stop thinking about wisdom. So you don't live in a neutral environment. We have wisdom, and we have an enemy who literally is trying to do everything in its power for you not to listen to wisdom. That's how people's lives get destroyed. So in all of these things, missing a family dinner, missing a workout, missing that caring conversation you should have had with your friend because you were busy, not having your holiday with your family this year, splurging, buying something, eating out, all of these things by themselves mean not much. But on a path of those decisions, you will end up, and here's the thing, here's the thing, you will get down a path and you start to experience the consequences of those things, okay? And then we think to ourselves, okay, okay, I'm feeling some consequences, I don't like this. So I know what I need to do. I need to go to the gym and I need to work out. And you go there and you work out like two hours because you're trying to make up for neglect for like two years. And then you're like, I hate this. Like, it's miserable. It didn't work. I'm sore. I can't barely move the next day. I knew why. Now I know why I didn't go to the gym. But I have people do this with their family and their relationships. They'll be like, you know what? I know I've been ignoring you guys. I've been working so hard all year long, and I've been out so much. We're going to have a great holiday together. Everyone get in the vehicle. We're going to spend this amazing time this week together. And they get in the vehicle, and all they do is want to tear each other's throats out. It's miserable, horrible. What a waste of time. Why would I spend that much time with you guys? It was so frustrating. Well, yeah, you can't cram to fix a trajectory of neglect. You just can't do it. You can't eat healthy one meal and to see a result. You can't do it. You've, I've talked, I've seen those dads, and I've talked to the teenagers, you know, and a dad will come back in a kid's life, and they always kind of say the same thing, like, I'm so sorry, 
I wasn't there for you on this birthday and this Christmas and this and I was away and everything else. And they'll say this phrase, but I want to make it up to you. And that kid looks at them and goes, you, you can't. No, I'm going to try. Well, you, you can't make up for neglect in wisdom. You can't. And so that's why it is so important that we learn to walk on this path properly is because spiritually you can't, relationally you can't, sexually you can't, all these things, your morality, eventually when you get so far down a pathway, you can, you can desire strongly to turn it around, but it doesn't just turn around like that. It takes time. And it takes a walking a path again. He will make your path straight. That's his promise. There's a promise to wisdom. If you trust him with your desires that you have, don't deny you have them, you have them, you trust him, you submit those areas to him, don't depend on what you think, <laughs> he, will help. he will help you get there. That's his promise. Well, what does that path look like? It's a great question. I think this is the best description for Proverbs 3. He says the path looks like this. When you lie down at night, you're not going to be afraid. <laughs> Ever lie down at night in certain times, seasons, and your mind just races with regrets and all these things you wish you would have did and things you wish you wouldn't have done and you can't sleep properly because this is stressful and that's stressful and what if this shoe drops and what if so-and-so finds out? What if I can't get my finances together? I'm worried about my kids. I'm worried about this. I'm and you're consumed with that. He says, look, this is the path I will take you on. If you listen to wisdom and you follow my paths, when you sleep, it's going to be sweet. Well, that's like a pretty strong desire. People who walk in the path of my wisdom, when they lie down, they have great sleep. Some of you are tired right now. You're like, oh, that would be awesome. Great sleep. Because it's at night, I find that. It's at night when all the distractions are off and you're just laying there in the dark quietly when you have reflect time. And sometimes that reflection is not positive. It's not enjoyable worries and stress so he says look i'm gonna lead you to a place where you'll enjoy the quiet and you don't have to fall asleep with your tv on or your music blaring or anything else to drown you out you'll enjoy the quiet it says a lot i know i've my some of my well my oldest son who gone through hard times and I, I go there and he's like, sleep. And like, all I can hear is his music <laughs> pounding in his headphones, like so loud. I'm like, what are you doing? How can you sleep? Well, that's the only way I can fall asleep. And I'm like, that's not a good sign. That's not a good sign. What makes me not think about things? It's not a good sign. It's not a good sign. So that's what scripture says. Well, listening to wisdom, how do you hear? Well, this is a good question. So let's go through some of these. How do you hear wisdom? Well, I want you to understand something. I believe that this. I believe wisdom language is the language of the Holy Spirit. Okay. Wisdom language, I believe, is the voice of the Spirit. So Scripture talks about how the Spirit hovered over the world as God was forming it. 
And scripture talks about how the, it was formed, actually the world was formed by wisdom. And I believe if you want to live by the Spirit, you have to learn, understand the language of wisdom. If you want to know what the Spirit is saying to you, you need to talk in the questions in the language of wisdom, and I believe it becomes much more clear. And so I, I think they really go hand in hand together. And I'm not going to read this whole passage to you. It's a really good passage on 1 Corinthians um, 2, verses 6 to 16. And I had it on the notes. We're not going to go through it. But it's talking about the Spirit of God and the attachment to living a life of wisdom. So what he says there is that the person without the Spirit well, does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. So if someone doesn't have the Spirit in them, when they hear the things that come from the Spirit, which is the wisdom, they mock it. They mock it because the Spirit's not there. And they consider it foolishness. So if you ever talk to someone and you'll share with them, you know, I think this is what God's asking me to do or give up or go through, and they're not a believer, they look at you like, why would you do that? Why would you deny yourself? Why would you say no to that? Why would you pull back? Why? Embrace and enjoy. They don't get it. They think it's foolishness. And he says this, but for those that have the Spirit, they actually have the mind of Christ in them. The Holy Spirit is the mind of Christ available for us to live life. And so when you think wisdom, I want you to think spirit. I got to learn to walk in the spirit. I got to learn to listen to the spirit. And I, I do that by asking questions about wisdom. I really do believe that. So I want to talk about some different areas or environments where we find the spirit active where wisdom will be found. So the spirit, where is the spirit guaranteed to be active for me to hear so that I can find wisdom to live life? And I think the first one is rather simple, which is wisdom comes in or from the word of God. Wisdom is in here. It's the spirit help people write down what the spirit wanted written. And so you can't live in the pathways of wisdom without knowing what the Spirit left for you to read. I just don't believe that's going to happen for you. Jesus said the Spirit's role is to remind you, teach you, correct you, help guide you to walk with Jesus. That's what the job of the Spirit is. And so if you're not in God's Word, I don't know how you're going to live a wise life. So the prophet Jeremiah said, since they reject God's word, what kind of wisdom is left for them? So if you take God's word and you put it aside and you go, well, I just want to live a good life, but I don't want to know what God's word is. Well, then you're not, where's the wisdom coming from? Because why? Your heart's deceitfully wicked, right? Your understanding is flawed. And so without God's truth and God's word, you're going to have a hard time understanding what wisdom actually looks like and sounds like. And so I think you need to be in God's word. Now, some people misunderstand what my job is. I'm going to be careful, make sure I say this correctly. And I, don't, I like it when people come up to me and help me later when I said something wrong, because I'm always like, oh yeah, I didn't mean to say that. So we'll try not to do that right now. Some people think my job here is to teach you God's word. I don't, I don't see it that way. Now, I will teach you God's word, but that's not my job. My job is to help you follow Jesus. That is very different. My job is to help you hear the Spirit and follow Jesus. 
Primarily, I believe we do that by knowing God's word. But you will never follow Jesus, you will never listen to the Spirit, if you only come here to learn God's word. That's why I think it's a, it's a misunderstanding from a pastor to say my job is to teach him God's word. First of all, I can't teach you all of this. So there's not a chance. I know pastors who try, they try really hard. And they come up with sermon plans for like 25 years of how they can get through the whole Bible and teach them all God's word. And I'm like, but you do know people forget 95% of what they heard in 72 hours. So unless you're constantly going to record your voice and put it in their ears, not successful. My job is to help you learn how to hear the spirit or wisdom in your day-to-day walk. And so what I try to do is use God's word to inspire you, to help you go, I want to follow Jesus more. I want to be in God's word. I want to pray. I want to do this one because I want to be on the journey that God has for me. That's what I want to do here. And I use God's word to do it because if I was using my own wisdom, it's not wisdom. It's only wisdom when it comes from here. So I can't teach you everything in here, but I can help you understand the importance of being in here. So I want to help you do that. I want you to help know that. Another part is this. If you want to listen to wisdom, yes, God's word. Number two is, this is a hard one, but I realize it's how important it is for me. Comes in times of rest, reflection, and listening. We don't do this well. Times of rest. You know it's really hard to hear the spirit when you don't have times of rest. Reflection and listening. The world is trying to keep you busy and distracted and bombard you with information. Unless you slow down and listen and reflect and rest, I don't think you'll hear what wisdom is saying. How do I know that's true? Well, there's that thing called rock bottom again. It's when people finally get so far down a path that they're experiencing destruction and consequences of their life and God kicks them in the butt and they have to stop and they have time to reflect It's at the, unfortunately, often it's at the end of someone's life. (laughs) Right at the end when something, or a tragedy happens in the family, or something where everyone stops and goes, wait a second, what's important here? Everyone has amazing wisdom on deathbed. They do. They really do. They don't say things like, man, I really wish I would have led that meeting better. Never said it. I wish I would have just made another hundred grand. (laughs) Never say it. In those moments of rest and reflection when there's all there is is time and space to think about and hear and listen to wisdom, they hear it. And I believe as the proverb says, wisdom cries out. Wisdom is begging for attention. It's our inability to stop and listen that's the problem. I love watching, there's a show, um, it's called Alone, and my wife always laughs. She's like, you'd love to get on that show. I'm like, I think I would. I don't know how I would do, but it's, I don't know if you ever heard, it's on Discovery Channel, it's, it's Alone, and they send these people off with cameras, and the, the, it's a competition, who can survive the longest alone? And what often happens, I've watched like, I don't know, 10 seasons of it now, it's, it, it sounds incredibly boring, because they're self-videoing, and it, I think it is, but whatever. It's still interesting to me. What takes most of the people out 
is not starvation, which they thought would take them out. They're going to win $500,000 if they're the last one, okay? So a lot of motivation going in. What takes them out is they have enough time to reflect on what's important in their life, and a lot of them just tap out. They're like, this isn't worth $500,000. But going in, they were convinced it would be. And I can see it coming now. I've watched the show long enough, I can see it coming. And this guy's videoing himself, or this girl's videoing themselves, and they'll say, yeah, today, today is my you know, five-year-old's birthday. And they're like, uh-oh, he's done. <laughs> Give him two days max. And it's really true. They're just like, I can't, what am I here for? Why am I here? What am I, why am I trying to get money so I can be a better dad when I can be home being a better dad? And, and you, you see it happening on this real time of wisdom creeping into people's lives. And then they're like, I'm starving myself. I'm hurting my body. If I win the money, but I'm physically sick for the rest of my life, that doesn't make sense. And you see wisdom constantly popping up in the screen. And it's because they're alone. And they have time to reflect and listen. And when they do that, they hear wisdom. And I think we have to get in that habit. We have to get away. It's why God wanted a Sabbath rest. The Sabbath rest was simply this. It was a dedicated period of time to remember, without you, life continues. God is God. That's when you remember, is when you stop. God's in control. I'm not in control. So I've learned I have to get away. I have to get out. I have to move away. I have to just be quiet to hear wisdom. I cannot make good decisions in this life if I don't stop. It's amazing. I, I think this reflection thing, you know, I've, I've watched in the last few years, I think COVID did something for people as well. There was a season there where I've seen a lot of like scientists, psychologists, physicists, engineers, and stuff like that who've started to come to the awareness of who God is because they had enough time to reflect. And because I think the world was shaped and formed by wisdom and truth, I think when you stop long enough to listen to what wisdom and truth is, it points to, as Proverbs says, the fear of the Lord. It's amazing. Next thing is community. And then we're going to end the environment of community. Because our heart is deceitful and wicked and our understanding is lacked, Proverbs says, look, the way of a fool always seems right. <laughs> so you probably should spend some time with other people and listen to advice more. Now, the only problem is I think we have a problem because Canadians don't like to tell people of what they're seeing on their pathway for each other. It's like, eee, I see that person heading off a cliff, but I better be polite. I don't want to say anything. So when I say community, I mean this is going to be intentional community. Now as a church, sometimes churches, it's like the church is just trying to keep you busy. I don't want to be in a church that keeps people busy. So whatever we're doing as a church, it better be helping you follow Jesus. <laughs> now one of those things is community. It's serving. It's those times when you're with other people following Jesus. That's why I think serving is so important, and that's why I think groups are so important. Those are environments where you're following Jesus, surrounded by other people trying to follow Jesus. It's so important. 
And that takes time to trust those people to speak in your life. And that's hard to find. And you're probably going to get into a small group where you're like, you know, half of those people I do not trust to expose my life. But you go to groups to find a few people that you can trust to speak into your life. You participate in community, in church, and in serving to rub shoulders with people who are also trying to follow Jesus. It is so, so important. The number one thing I can predict when someone is going to end up walking away from their faith is when they stop joining into community. The enemy is like, it's like, it's like a wolf, you know, separates a sheep because it can't attack the pack together, so they separate them off. And when people are about to go down bad pathways, the first thing that happens to them is they stop hanging around other people who love Jesus. You have seen it. I don't even have to convince you of this. You've seen it in your life. You've seen it in your families. The first step is isolation before they end up down a path that they regret. So don't let that happen to you. And if you're not part of community, you have to find community. And I can't guarantee that the first group you go into or try is going to be lovely. We're all broken people. And so you might go into a group that you're like, Ugh. oh well, find another one. Don't give up. You need people in your life who have the guts to tell you, hey, I, I, see, I see some trends here. How are you doing? Now, ultimately, you would open up your life to them, but sometimes we have to speak truth. It's important that we have this community. It's important that we spend time. Jesus said this. He said, hey, where, where people gather together in my name, I'm there. So if you want to go where the Spirit is, I believe, why, why do we come and gather here? Why, why do I want you to gather here and not just watch online? Now, if you're watching online, that's great, but you're missing a massive component of the experience of the Christian faith, which is the presence of Jesus Christ. Like, that's huge. And COVID took people out, isolated them off everywhere, and you and I have seen people flounder in that environment need to come back. You need to come back into community. It's part of what it means to follow Jesus. You can't do it by yourself. Wisdom comes with a community of believers. It says this in Proverbs 13, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. There's lots of studies out there that have proven that you will live like the average of the five closest people you spend time with. And those that have had kids and teenagers and all those things, you're like, uh-huh, like it's scary stuff. You see who they're surrounding themselves with, that's the path trajectory they're probably on. And so as a parent, there was times where we had to take our kid kicking and screaming out of a community and go, nope, you have to go in this community. Well, I like the, I'm sorry, that's not going to take you where you want to go. But I like them, and they're great. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we need you to put you over there. We need to help shape that. Now they're at the age, of course, where I can't do that. So hopefully they've learned wisdom, and they've learned that who I spend time with is going to dramatically impact my path. So as a church today, I would say, we're heading into this new season. I would say, look, 
I want you, I want you to find some community. And I'm not promising that you're going to find the perfect group of people. But we want to help you find community. And sometimes you have to go through several different groups and hang out with some different people to find just one or two other people that you would say, those people are trying to follow Jesus. They may not be perfect, but I know they're trying to follow Jesus in all of their ways. And so I want to hang with them. And here's what I think it sounds like. I want you to know what it sounds like. Sometimes we misunderstand what mentors are, so I might get in trouble with this one. You don't need to hang around people who tell you what to do. That's not a good mentor if someone wants to tell you what to do. Hang around people who ask you good questions, wisdom questions. Tell me more about this. Tell me more about that decision. Tell me more about your life. I've noticed this here. Tell me about that. Explain this to me. People that cause you to pause and reflect on your life are the people you want to spend time with. Not people who tell you what to do or tell you how to live or tell you how to raise your kids. You don't need that. You need people who will simply challenge how you think and make good decisions. Those are the people. They don't need to know any more than you do. That's what we get misunderstanding. A mentor needs to have been where I've been and gone where I want to go. No. They're simply wanting to follow Jesus and they're willing to expose themselves and you to the questions that will help keep you in step with Jesus. They don't have to have lived the same life or journeyed the same life. They simply have to be willing to ask you questions. Good ones. That help you reflect and listen to wisdom. So at the back, after the service, there is a sign-up sheet, and I'm going to do something I've never done before, which is if you want to get into a small group and you don't have any pathways into one, I want you to go back there, and if you're willing to say, I want to try community, put your information down there, and we're going to contact you, and we're going to try to find community. There are some people who are willing to open a new group up and say, hey, let's try a group for people who don't like groups. It's great. I did that. It's the first thing I did. I didn't want to get in a group, so I was like, I'll start a group for people who don't like groups. And we'll do that. And there's another sheet there that's just like, people who want to serve, or I want to serve, I don't know where to serve, give us your information, and we're basically going to help you, help you find a place to hang out with other people who are trying to follow Jesus. That's all it is. It doesn't even matter what the content is. It simply matters you're with the people heading on the right path. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you today that you love us enough to speak to us. (laughs) And I think as we read Proverbs and we recognize that you are crying out. (laughs) You're crying out for people who are walking on paths that aren't good for them. You're crying out for attention. Heavenly Father, I think the biggest takeaway for me today is to recognize again how important it is that we stop, rest, to reflect, and listen. Because you're so eager to speak. I think you said, it says there in Proverbs, it says, you sit on the busy street corners. In the busyness of our lives, we just go back and forth, back and forth, and we just can't hear you. Heavenly Father, would you just grab our attention today enough to stop and to look at our life and say, what is it that you want to say? And then would we be wise enough (laughs) to choose wisdom? Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen.